Welcome to Mornings with Martin, and today we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 12 and following. And in this text, we're going to look at two big things. First, Peter's use of the Psalms, and then uh, the disciples or the apostles' uh, choice of replacement, and some of the controversy that goes around that. So first, let's read our text, verses 12 and following. Here's what it says. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now, this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp be desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another take his office. So one of the men So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who is also known as Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, so many thoughts um, as we look at this. Uh, First, just out of... uh, sheer curiosity, I wonder what Judas, the son of James, how his life changed after the other Judas uh, betrayed Jesus. Because I'm sure, like, you know, hey, I'm an apostle of Jesus. My name's Judas. And they're like, "Mm." and he's like, no, 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 not that Judas. I'm Judas, the son of James. Uh, So my my heart goes out to that guy, uh, because that's that's a rough, that's a rough lot to have that name in that time. Second, uh, just in verse 15, in those days, it's uh, 14 and 15, he, this is Peter, and he's standing among 120 folks, and those folks comprise the 11 apostles and uh, the women and the mother of Jesus, Mary, and his brothers. And we could take that to mean um, his actual brothers, uh, you know, Mary's other uh, other children, or maybe the other children of Joseph who are taken care of by Mary, depending on how you see uh, Mary uh, there. But all in all, there's 120. And so somehow, this is a big group of people. Either there's a whole bunch of ladies, uh, Mary and Joseph, or uh, Joseph had a whole bunch of kids, 
or this is including not just uh, not just women and the physical brothers of Jesus or half brothers of Jesus, but um, just other people who had been with him from the beginning, which makes sense because later on we hear that that's what they're looking for. Someone who had been with Jesus from the time of John's baptism all the way through his ascension. So just interesting notes. <clears throat> now, the two things we need to talk about. First, we need to talk about Peter's use of the Psalms. Because at first glance, it seems kind of like cherry picking here. Because, you know, Peter just out of the blue is like, hey, this Psalms is obviously talking about Judas. And at first glance, like, well, no, how, how did you get that? But then when you actually look at the Psalms, it actually makes quite a bit of sense. Uh, so in verse 20, uh, that's where we hear these two psalms are being spoken. In the first one, may his camp become desolate, let there be no one to dwell in it. That comes from, let me open it up here, comes from Psalm 69. And if you read through Psalm 69, you see that there's a little, little bit of evidence, at least, that this is referring to, this is a prophecy of David concerning the crucifixion of, of Christ. So how do we see that? Well, especially in verses, I'd say, 19 uh, through 26 or 7 or so. So here's what that says. <clears throat> it says, You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food. And for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. Let their own table before them become a snare. And when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see. And let them make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them. Let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation. So let no one dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom you have struck down. And they recount the pain of those you have wounded. It's verse, uh, that's verse 26 is the end of that. Now, what's interesting, I, I probably could have done a whole thing just on this because it's really cool. Uh, because first, you have this, I can almost see Jesus praying this prayer as he's on the cross. He's saying, you know, Lord, the, your, your reproach. I, my reproach, my shame, my dishonor is all before me. I see my enemies uh, surrounding me and, and mocking me in this. And, uh, and who is it that brought all of this about? Well, at first glance, it looks like it's Judas. Judas is the one who, who's done this because Judas is the one who betrays him, brings all of his enemies and all of this dishonor upon Jesus. Judas is one, one of many sinners who has broken Jesus' heart. And yet, verse 26 gives us another perspective right after this, where it says, they, and we'll, let's just assume at this point, uh, if we're taking Peter seriously in his interpretation, as well as the context here, we're going to say that we're talking about Judas, we're talking about the, the Pharisees, teachers of the law, the Roman soldiers, these, uh, these people who have inflicted um, great pain upon Jesus. Here's what it says. Again, they persecute him whom you have struck down. So here are all these people who have 
brought suffering and inflicted uh, persecution upon Jesus, but who is it really who has brought the cross to Christ? It is God the Father. And he would do this so that we would be forgiven, so that all of those would be forgiven. So, interesting text. Uh, so from that, uh, Peter makes this interesting correlation between this field, Akhaldama, and how no one, uh, no one goes there because that's the field of blood, and this text in verse 25. Uh, still, in, in some ways, it seems almost like a stretch, but we're going to say, well, you know, he was an apostle of Jesus, so we'll take him at his word. The next one, uh, the next one, let someone else take his office, comes from Psalm 109. And <clears throat> this is what it talks about, and just a little bit of context here as well. So, uh, again, uh, I would say this points us to one who has betrayed uh, Jesus. Uh, so, <clears throat> it says this, In return for my love, they accuse me. And attack me without, I'm sorry, they accuse me, ah, where'd it go? <laughs> In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. Garden of Gethsemane. <clears throat> so they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Again, pointing to, uh, pointing to Judas here. And then it goes on, appoint a wicked man against him. And let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. And it keeps on going. But uh, again, what do we see in the end of Judas's life? After his betrayal, he goes to the temple and he says, I'm guilty. And they say, yeah, you are guilty. What is it for us? And so go take care of it yourself. And so these people who should have been offering from forgiveness, or at least some path forward, instead give him accusations. His prayer is not, uh, is not given to the right person and therefore not counted as righteous, but as sinful. And this accuser uh, that stands at his right side has condemned him of sin. And he doesn't find hope in Christ, but instead finds it, uh, depending on which which a version you look at in Acts chapter 1, it's he falls headlong and his bowels go everywhere. Another one, he hangs himself. It, it's a bad situation regardless. So that's the first thing, is just how interesting it is to see uh, Peter using the Psalms in a ways that I would imagine outside of Jesus revealing the scriptures and opening the scriptures to him would not have been correlated. Uh, but it's interesting to see how that happens. The second thing to talk about is this replacement for uh, of Matthias and how that happens. So they are devoting themselves to prayer. They're going through what we would say is the call process. And they have two candidates, two people who come forth, uh, Justice and Matthias. And they pray as any good call committee should do is they pray and say, Lord, who do you want here? Uh, and then they cast lots and it falls on Matthias. And what's interesting here is that uh, after this, Matthias is never mentioned again. And it's glad some, some will say, well, uh, here are these disciples. 
who had not been instructed to replace uh, to replace Judas, but are just doing it because they think that's what's best. And they don't have the Holy Spirit yet because that's next chapter. And so they're going by human wisdom. And that's why they ended up with Matthias. And I'm, I'm going to go with this particular thought process all the way forward and then kind of backtrack here. So in this mentality, it's they made a mistake when they called Matthias because they were working in the place of God. And God was going to replace Judas, but not with Matthias. But there is another apostle who the vast majority of the book of Acts uh, details and, and goes through the account of, and that is Paul. And so Matthias is the human's choice, but Paul, this least of the least, is chosen by God to be that next apostle, that replacement. And a lot of the time, that argument will talk about how, well, no one ever mentions Matthias, but everything's about Paul. And I would argue against that. I would say, no, um, Matthias not being mentioned is not anything to say that he's not a good or valid choice, because that's the very same thing is true for eight other apostles. They're not mentioned again. We're not, we don't know what happens to them. And so I, I wouldn't say that it was a good reason to say that Matthias was a mistake. Uh, instead, I would say they, they offered all of this up in prayer, and they worked with the very best that they had, and this is the way it worked. And so was God going to use that? Absolutely. Um, so whether or not Matthias is or is not uh, the, a real apostle, I wouldn't say it truly matters. Uh, but what does matter is that he is one whom Jesus knew and Jesus loved and Jesus died for. And that very same thing is true for you and true for me. So let's give thanks to God that he works through prayer, that he works through his people, that he works through his word. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, uh, for using us and for, for using us to, to, to glorify your name and to serve you. Lord, we pray that you would open the word, open your word to us, that we would see what, uh, what great truth is found within. Uh, Lord, bless us today and each and every day as we study your word diligently. Forgive us for our sins and remind us that you have died for us, that you are risen for us, that we have eternal life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you next time.